You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind the scenes juice on Rachel and Gabby's season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number two. 95. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a great show for you this week. Susanna Summers, the creator of the Bachelor Data Instagram account, is going to join us on this week's podcast. So much great information that she has. Just this week, the show starting this Monday, the amount of content that she's put out is really second to none. We will get to her momentarily. So, As you know, this week I started the Daily Roundup podcast where it's been about 20 minutes every day just talking about things going on in Bachelor Nation and anything reality TV related, pop culture related, and I've given some sports takes. I released today's Daily Roundup about an hour ago, so check it out. It should be on your feed if you are subscribed to the Reality Steve podcast, so check that out when you get a chance. The response so far seems to have been good. Looking at the downloads seems to have been good. It seems to have been a good idea on my end to do this. And I I always thought that, you know, for those that don't know, my background is radio. And right out of college, the only thing I ever wanted to do with my life was have my own sports radio talk show. And I got into that right out of college. I was in it for 97 to 02. And then I was out of it for six months. And then I got hired. And then I was part-time from 02 to 06. And... Sports has always been a big part of my life. I don't. I will never go back to sports talk radio, I don't think. I guess you can never say never, but it's just not something that interests me on a daily basis to talk sports. And But obviously, I do have an outlet now to where I can talk about things that you know I see and that I watch and I, and I do have opinions on. So I'll share those on occasion here on the Daily Roundup podcast. The, the one uh, yesterday, I don't think I had a sports uh, take. Today's, uh, I do end today's daily roundup uh, with a sports opinion in regards to the PGA versus Live Golf Tour, which is just, it's so, uh, it's very frustrating. As of someone who is a fan of golf, it is just very frustrating. Anyway, I hope you've been enjoying the daily roundup. Please check it out. Listen to it. Um, I tried to make it short. I don't think anyone has been over 21 or 22 minutes. It's been the longest. I think that was today's. But I'm going to try and keep it like that just because I know you wouldn't have time to dedicate if I did an hour every day. I don't even have content for an hour every day. But if I did, like nobody would be able to be doing that. And I would probably lose listeners if I put out too much. But 20 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes is what I plan to have on this daily roundup podcast. So I hope you check it out. And in terms of what's going on in the Bachelor world, obviously that's been covered on my daily roundup Please check out yesterday's uh, reality, uh, the um, reader email column, because I really give a thorough breakdown of the Nick situation and why I have such an issue with what Nick and Natalie are so upset at with Katie. And it's not like just, oh, here's my opinion. It's like, here's your opinion, my opinion with facts to back it up. And that's obviously what I've tried to do a lot. And it's why I love talking to Susanna today is because, you know, data is factual stuff, factual entry. Data entry is just here are the facts. 
in data form, whether it's numbers or whatever it may be. And that's what I've tried to do is try to when I, when when I have an opinion or I have an argument or I have a debate is to back it up with facts as opposed to just being overly emotional and just saying, oh, this sucks or he sucks or she sucks. And but you don't back it up with any because if you just come within a debate in an argument and just come with something like that and you don't. Well, why does that person suck? Okay, well, here's why. And let me lay it out for you. They said this. They did this. They wrote this. It's just so much easier. Then it makes your argument that much stronger. And that's what I've tried to do recently. And with this Nick and Katie thing, it's just, you know, it's very easy. And my biggest thing is Nick is being a very big hypocrite in this situation, and Natalie as well. They're being very hypocritical. It's like, well, why are they being hypocritical? See, what do you mean? Are you just calling them hypocrites? No, I'm not calling them hypocrites. Because here is why they're being hypocrites. Point A, point B, point C. So that's what I'm trying to do here. Uh, but that's probably the biggest story going on in Bachelor Nation right now. Obviously, Rachel and Gabby's season is going on. When I know the ending spoilers, I will tell you them. I've heard some things over the last few days. And some of it's contradictory. So it hasn't really been the most productive thing. So it's like you get told one thing and I'm like, oh, wow, this could be it. I could be getting closer. And then I hear something else from a completely different source that contradicts the information I was just given. And I'm like, great. These both can't be right. Something has to be um, wrong. And it's like, how do you know what is wrong? And it really comes down to just digging deeper. And I have to dig deeper into the origins of where these things came from and why they are what they are. So, you know, we've got 11 weeks. I hope to get the ending and obviously more spoilers for you as the season goes on. But, yeah, there's there's obviously a lot a lot going on here. But um, don't have too much else to get to. But I do want to talk about our sponsors today. Dame Products. They're back. And you know they're back. You know why they're back? Because they know Reality Steve knows vibrators. Because when you think of vibrators, think of Reality Steve. Here's the deal. Having a pleasure practice is good for you. It can improve the quality of your sleep, help you de-stress, relieve pain, even give you that lit from within glow as you go about your day. But most importantly, exploring your pleasure on your own helps you get in touch with yourself and learn more about what you like. That's right. It leads to better sex. So check out AIR, A-E-R, the suction vibrator from Dame Products. Air is a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. Dame's air creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Now, granted, I don't know this personally, but I have been given the air by Dame. They are a sponsor, so they send me product. Clearly, I can't use it, but I have sent it out to a couple friends a couple of friends in the reality TV world who have said this thing is a godsend. So not only is it perfect for beginners, it's also waterproof and features five intensities and five vibration patterns so you can explore what works for you. And I'm telling you, the women absolutely love this thing. The air is a suction vibrator designed to get you there fast. So go to dameproducts.com. Use promo code REALITYSTEVE, and that's going to take 15% off your first order. Also, I want to talk to you about Trivia Star. If I were to ask you, do you know the capital of Canada? How about the country of origin for kebabs? 
Play Trivia Star Now and prove your knowledge. It's a free mobile trivia game with over 60 different categories you get to choose from, including music, TV, animals, celebrities. I like the sports category, of course, and I've kind of been dominating, so I need to probably up my levels and up the difficulty of it. If you choose the correct answers from the multiple choices they give you, you beat the clock, you move on to the next level. It sounds simple, but... Yes, the questions get harder over time. If you get stuck, you don't worry. You can use coins and gems to get hints to beat that level, and that's kind of where I'm at right now. Right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. Trivia Star has thousands of five-star reviews in the Apple Store and is the number one trivia game on the App Store. Download it today to challenge yourself. Just go to Apple or Google Store and search for Trivia Star. Let me repeat, go to the Apple or Google store and search for Trivia Star. Download Trivia Star for free today and get ready to flex your brain muscles. Now, let's get going. Podcast number 295. Okay, let's bring her in. Uh, You know her from the Bachelor Data Instagram account. Uh, She's been on this podcast numerous times before is Susanna Summers. Susanna, how are you? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. There's a lot of stuff to get to and God... With the season starting on Monday, you are just in full overdrive with the amount of content that you're putting out. I mean, it's Wednesday. The show started Monday. I think you've put out at least eight or nine reels slash Instagram feed posts since Monday. Oh, my gosh. It's been so much work. I, I'm going all in on the video with reels and TikTok this year. And, man, it is – I give a lot of – I give a lot of props to content creators that are just busting out video because it is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I know. And and it's and it's like, look, you have videos to where you have a certain like you do a, you know, screen time, hugs, relationships obsessed, Instagram growth, first impression rose. You have like topics where it's wow, I don't want to say it's easy, but you actually have a something where you have something that you can cover on your TikTok and on your reel. Whereas content creators, it's like, yeah, it's I mean, it's tough for you enough for you to do that when you know you have stuff to cover. Content creators, literally, outside of oh, I have to do this ad for this particular person. Sometimes content content creators, you know, like people that are just comedians, just have to come up with funny shit every day, and that's not easy. I mean, something that you think your audience is going to like. I, I I give them all the props in the world because no, it is not an easy thing to do at all. Yeah, especially with data analysis, it's like this whole new layer, right? Because for me. I have to collect the data first, right? So let's just say a simple post on screen time. I have to, that took me this week, like easily five, six hours to do. And then look at the data, try to find some trends, make the the visual, the data visualization. And then when I'm done with that, then I need to sit in front of a camera, which takes some time to set up, you know, hair, makeup, everything, record. And then I have to go and edit it all. And yeah, it's, it's been a lot, but I'm, I'm starting to get in a groove now. No, it, it certainly seems that way considering how much, uh, you know, content you've put out just this week. Um, all right. I want to start off with something that has just been a topic of conversation for years now, because I think so many, the average person just really doesn't understand it. And I'm not saying this in a condescending way, but it's just very if you don't study this stuff and you don't follow TV and, you know, network versus streaming and ratings and you just kind of take headlines off of things, you, you truly don't understand what's going on when it comes to the show. 
the premiere of The Bachelorette was on Monday, as we know, and it was the lowest rated premiere ever. And that's an easy, easy clickbait headline to put out there that Rachel and Gabby have the lowest rated um, premiere in the history of the show, which is factually correct. However, it goes a lot deeper than that. So explain to people the best you can. Yeah. I mean, we had that same headline for Hannah Brown season and Hannah Brown and Tyler Cameron are still some of the most followed people ever from this franchise. So yeah, it's so when it comes to ratings, what most people don't realize is that they're referring to the Nielsen ratings. Nielsen is a company that has kind of owned the world of ratings for ever, <laughs> really. And they put out two different big numbers that everybody looks at. The first one is the number of viewers in millions. And then the other one, in, and that's not people, the, is the 18 to 49 demo. So it's the 18 to 49-year-old people. And then they do basically a rating against other shows. Um, now, Nielsen, they say that, I think that the number of people who tuned in was 2.9 million viewers. It was almost 3 million. Um, now, that's not a real number, though. That's a guesstimate, because basically what they do is they pay people, it's something like $5 a month, that they can track their cable TV watching habits. And it's a very small subset of people. Um, now, I've asked around with like my entire friends group, and nobody my age has ever heard of this or like how to even be a part of it. But it's a very small subset of, of people. And then they use watching all of those people's habits they then make these predictions and how much, how many people tuned in to watch the show. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so antiquated. It's, it's, it's so much easier to say X amount of people went and saw Top Gun Maverick because you can look at ticket sales. Like, but for TV watching, it's damn near impossible. Really? It is. Exactly. And then there's the other layer of, I think it was Ari's season. Ari's season was the first that um, Hulu streaming became a thing with the bachelor. Um, which was ages ago, right? Like our season is, it, it, it's really historic at this point. Um, and more and more people are moving to streaming. And I think it was last year was the year that there are now people who use streaming more than cable. Um, we've cut cable, like we moved to YouTube TV. Um, you know, we use Hulu, we use Netflix, like we, we've got it all, we've got HBO. And with more people cutting cable, you know, you can look at a graph that shows, yes, the show is going down with the number of viewers and it's going, you know, the demo is like slightly up and slightly down. It's really not that bad. Um, but I mean, if you look at all TV shows, be it American Idol, be it, you know, name the reality TV show that's on cable, everything is trending down with Nielsen ratings. Um, Nielsen has... I mean, so the other layer with Nielsen, too, is that they aren't very um, transparent with their data. Like, they announced a few years ago that they were going to try to start getting into streaming data, but they never, like, published how much they are working with streaming data. Because companies like Hulu, they can see exactly, like, how many people watched Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Like, they can see exactly how many people, what age, what part of the country. Like, they can see everything you do. Um, but it's, it's become a really antiquated system. And overall, if you look at every cable TV show, it's all going down. So saying this was the lowest rated premiere ever, it's like, well, so was Caitlin Bristow's and so was Jojo Fletcher's. And then so was Rachel Lindsay's and so was Hannah Brown's. And so, so was Becca Kufrid's like 
everyone's was the lowest. They, yeah, after, every t- every new like season, every new season that came out, it was just like, yeah, this is the now the lowest. And the next season came out, it's like, this is now the lowest because it was just trending down. Like you said, it just there's it's so easy to just form a a headline out of that. But as you've been describing, it's so much deeper than that. There's so much more but to it. But I think it. it it goes like an extra step, right? Because this year, you know, people are starting to post about ratings. And I really appreciate the work that Game of Game of Roses does and everything, but they posted um, like a, a post today saying, um, although it won its night and its time slot, which means against all of the time, the other shows that were on at the same time and that night, it was the best performing cable show, which is a good, that's good sign. Yeah. Um, they said, Monday's Bachelorette premiere was the worst rated night one in history. Is this an indicator of the current producer's inability to maintain an audience or simply the inevitable death of the network television? Now, what's really interesting is if you look at Michelle Young's premiere, she had 3 million. And every one before that, um, Katie Thurston had 3.7 million or it was almost 3.8. Claire had 5 million. Hannah Brown had 4.8 million. Becca Kufrin had over five and a half million. Like it's trending down quite a bit. And between Michelle and our premiere this week, it's basically the same number. So I would actually argue that that's a good sign. Like it's, if you think of the number of people who are cutting cable, the fact that this premiere was on par with Michelle's and then add in the layer that it is summertime, which is the worst time to have a TV show because everyone is out and traveling um historically tv shows in the summer just don't do as well with ratings um i think that that's a good sign personally yeah and i think the point that they did make which is correct and i think that maybe they're just underemphasizing it is the fact that when something wins its 2 hour time slot in a in a given night that's huge for advertisers and that's really good if you break it down even further they're winning the women 18 to 54 which is, if you know anything about the advertising business when it comes to buying television time, women 18 to 54 is the number one demo that advertisers are after. It's just yes, women are the biggest spenders of the economy. If, if women were to stop spending money, our economy would collapse because women are the primary generators of revenue for companies. Exactly. And so if you want to focus on, oh, it's the lowest rated premiere, it's like, yeah, but it won its two hours which is huge for advertisers. When this show goes to hell is when advertisers say, nobody's watching your show, women 18 to 54 aren't even watching anymore, we don't want to spend any advertising dollars, then that's when you go away. That's why any show goes away, because advertisers don't want to spend the advertising money that you're asking for your show. But I would argue, too, there there's some, some trends that I've been following this season with the Bachelor franchise that I also think is pretty impressive. Um, their social media presence on TikTok is really, like, it's really improving. Um, and Gabby and Rachel's TikTok follower counts are also doing decent. Um, that it's something that I'm definitely watching because I, that's where they need to be moving now is they need to start getting some of the younger audience back on board with their show. Yeah, I I definitely think so. Obviously, we know uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. Instagram versus TikTok, because you had a great post about that. I think it was a couple months ago. Uh, Maybe it was six months ago. I can't remember when you did it. You probably remember exactly when it was. But um, we'll get to the comparison of that in a little bit. But yeah, the rating stuff, just 
just kind of a note to everybody out there that just reads clickbait stuff and headline stuff. There's so much more to it. If, yeah. if, if we're That's just... That's a big reason why I don't post about it. Yeah. Like, it's super clickbaity, and if people look at it, they're like, oh, the show's going downhill, and it's like, it's so much more complex than that. Yeah, I mean... Nielsen, like you said, they've that's the only ratings thing we've ever known our whole lives, and it is so antiquated. Before they went to actual these, uh, I think these boxes that people used, it was literally diaries that they sent out to people where you had to write down what you watched on TV. And then, like you said, it's just a subset of society. They t- send it out to, I don't know, 15, 20,000 people, and then they form a rating based on that. I mean, it's just, uh, it's unbelievably antiquated. It's probably going to go away at some point. And, you know, I, I think the interesting thing is with streaming becoming such a big thing, as far as I know, yeah. and I could be wrong on this, do stre- streaming accounts, the streaming services, they don't release their numbers, do they, at least publicly or do they? They don't, and it's so frustrating. I wish Hulu would release their their data because it would just be so much more. It'd be so much more indicative. I mean, everyone I know watches it on Hulu next day now, or they watch it on YouTube uh, TV. And if we never get that, then we're never truly. Then it just it's like anytime you hear anything about ratings about the show, just dismiss it because that's not the true. It's not the true sense of what's really going on. If we never or get least, streaming service numbers, like look at the context that they're talking about it. Like, are they comparing it to other reality TV shows? Are they talking about how it how it performs compared to other shows that night? Like, it, it's just more. I don't know. I feel like it's a. I see so many like news media companies to post next day. I mean, look it up. Like, literally, if you're at your computer right now, just Google anybody who's listening. Google Hannah Brown premiere worst rated. And it's like the first article that comes up. <laughs> Hannah Brown premiere. I'm going to do it. Premiere worst rated. Um, Ratings bachelorette premiere falls to record low with Hannah B's debut, but ABC dating series still tops the voice and on NBC. That's <laughs> It's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so Which much. Which is to it's it. it's hilarious because Hannah Brown was one of the most talked about seasons, and it was a season that never ended. Okay, let's take a break real quick. I want to talk to you about Organifi. Organifi is a line of organic superfood blends that offer plant-based nutrition with high-quality ingredients and less than three grams of sugar. My favorite is the Organifi Red Juice. Recharge your mind and body with delicious superfood. Berry Blend, a premium organic superfoods that contain potent aptogens, antioxidants, and a clinical dose of cordyceps. Increase energy and boost nitric oxide levels with zero caffeine and only two grams of sugar. It tastes great. There's energy support. It helps increase your energy. It helps promote your energy. When that feeling rolls around where you don't want to go to the gym and you're feeling all blah, like I was yesterday, and I did not want to go to my workout, I took Organifi and I got my ass to the gym. It's 100% whole food beets, aptogen, like I said, antioxidant benefits. Your purchase of Organifi Red Juice makes a difference. Together, they partner with Vitamin Angels to work to prevent illnesses, blindness, and vitamin deficiency for innocent children suffering across the globe. That is Organifi. So go to Organifi.com slash RealitySteve for 20% off your next order. Once again, Organifi.com. Use code RealitySteve for 20% off your next order. 
so I want to jump into something that I think is is kind of funny because I didn't think you were going to cover this in your um, in your Instagram feed, but the hugs. The fact that you did a chart on hugs was pretty funny because I I I'm pretty sure you've never done that for the first night, but we've also never had two bachelorettes, so it made a little more sense. However, here's my question. This doesn't have to do with the statistic that you posted because. What you posted was, I believe, 50% of the men ended up hugging Gabby first. Only 16 of the men hugged Rachel first. And then there was like a 31% that it was never shown. My thing was this, because I kind of spoke out loud about it the night it aired. I didn't understand why it was Gabby getting the hugs first. Was it preference because she was on the left? Some people were telling me, like, oh, it's because she's on the left. I'm like, I don't understand what that has to do with anything. Why, if you walk up and two people are standing there, you would automatically hug the person on the left. Unless I'm missing something. Like, if you were in that position, would you, I don't know, would you hug the person on the left first because you read and write left to right? I don't know. I don't get it. It's super super interesting. So, if people don't know my backstory, I just moved to Denver this summer. And, or not not this summer, like, literally last month. It's been, it's been a nightmare. But, um, happy to be here finally. And we were actually at a meetup um after the premiere we were at the meetup last night and we were saying bye to a group and i was thinking back to when i left i was like oh i hugged the taller guy like people in the group before i hugged the shorter people like Hmm. i wonder like there's a lot of theories right there's uh gabby's taller um there's the tinfoil hat theories which were that the producers told the guys to hug Gabby first, which I, I, I don't know. I, I, mean, I, I guess we'll never know the answer. <laughs> I guess it's, it's something uh, we never know an answer to. So it's almost kind of pointless to talk about, yeah. you know, I think what's, I think what's going to be more indicative is once we start to see them hand out the roses, we've seen it in the previews for the rest of the season that some of the guys are like, sorry, Rachel, I won't accept this rose. I'm actually here for Gabby. I'm going to be curious to see more what that split is going to be and if they're going to be forced at some point to choose one lead over the other. Like at one point in the season, it's like you are, you guys are just going for Gabby. You guys are just going for Rachel. And I'm curious what that split will be, but I think it's, it's interesting, but I think people really noticed it. I didn't, I actually didn't notice it when I was watching. I had to go back to rewind it to take the data. Um, I think, I just think people are, everybody's just looking for ways to compare them and like find differences because everybody went into this thinking they're going to be pitted against each other. Well, do you want to know the answer to that question that you had or no? (laughs) (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. I mean, it happens at rose ceremony number three, right before they leave uh, to go out of the country, the guys that that rose ceremony where we saw in the promos where they have to choose. Now, the thing that's confusing me is, I don't understand why Rachel and Gabby didn't know at that point who was there for who I, because I was told that there were, and they even showed it in one of the promos. They show Hayden sitting down with Gabby saying he's there for Rachel. So clearly at that um, rose ceremony, Gabby wouldn't Mm -hmm. hand out a rose to Hayden because he's already told her. So it's like some guys mentioned it in the cocktail party. Someone like Tino who, got uh, Rachel's first impression rose, clearly Gabby wouldn't be like, Tino, you want this rose? Like she kind of, like maybe some things are already inherently known, but the third rose ceremony is where it happens, where they basically have to decide. And 
these yeah. guys that get rejected or um, these guys that reject Rachel, does that automatically mean that Gabby's going to give them their rose? I don't think so, because that doesn't seem to make any sense. What if Gabby wasn't interested? And there's like, okay, thank you, but they're not going to have an, a, a just a an inordinate amount, like 12 guys are left for Gabby, but only seven for Rachel. They're going to make it to where it's like, when we start traveling, you basically both have the same amount of men. But like I said, that's yeah. the, that's the issue with rose ceremony number three. I just know it happens before travel, and we've you know kind of seen hints of it in in the season promos that you have to make your decision. I just don't know why the rose ceremony happened the way that it did because why? Yeah. I, I get it for dramatic purposes. It makes obviously good TV to see, see Rachel say, "Do you want you know Tremaine? Do you want this rose?" And he's like, oh, "I'm here for Gabby." I get that part. But, I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if it has something to do with like they only eliminated three guys. Yeah. And the cast is massive. I I also I have a a reel that I'm or a TikTok that I'm working on because all the other word that they said other than two bachelorettes, two bachelorettes, two bachelorettes all night was this is the biggest cast ever. This is the biggest cast ever, and it really isn't. Like, is it? Yes, we can say it is the biggest cast ever, but it's only by one contestant like if you look back at claire's season she had 31 contestants if you look at rachel Lindsay's season she had 31 contestants we have 32 contestants this season <laughs> now um, I, I was going to ask you that and now that i think about it off the top of my head i if i'm not mistaken i thought oh maybe it was 25 and they brought in five for jillian i thought somebody yes, had 30 and right. they, i thought somebody had 30 and they brought in five and they gave them 35 but i guess i was wrong yeah, so seasons one through 12 generally were all 25 contestants. Jillian, she had 30. And then who was before JoJo? Was that? Um... Oh, gosh. Uh, JoJo, uh, Ben led to JoJo season. So who was before Ben? It was Caitlin. Caitlin, yeah. So Caitlin season, she had 26 contestants, not 25. It was Rachel Lindsay season that went above 30, it went to 31, and then it was kind of like a back and forth for a bit, but it was pretty much all around 30. You know what's confusing me is the release of the men on Facebook pre-show, because those numbers have always been, all of them have been over 32. Like, it's been 35. I think Claire was 40. Yep. I think they released 40 men for yes. Claire's season. So, okay, that's where I'm getting confused, because, so yeah, you. I guess technically... They are right. This is the most men, 32, but there was a time where they released 40 men for Claire's season then they cut it down oh, yeah. to a certain number, and like you said, the last few have been 31 men. It's like, okay, you're the most men yeah. by one. It's like it's not that big of a deal. Now, you just brought something else up that just rang in my head. Um, 29 men are left heading into episode number two. Yeah, I'm I mean, I think that's that's why it might take them – up until episode three to split them because they just don't have time to see that many people. Well, the other thing is I think that's going to lead to when these guys reject Rachel's Rose, I think they're going to get eliminated because as far as I know, I believe Ooh. it's still once they leave for Paris in episode four or after the third Rose ceremony, I don't know how they're doing episodes, but um, mm -hmm. Every season, if you look at every season, and I don't know if you want to ever go back and do this as part of you know your your data analysis, but every season when they start travel, there's always right around fifteen or six. I don't think it's ever been more than sixteen people start travel. Ooh. So I think what's going to happen 
is these next two rose ceremonies, you're going to see a shit ton of guys get fall off, whether it's self-elimination or this whole thing where, hey, I'm interested in Rachel. She says no, and then Gabby's like, well, I'm not interested in you, so I guess it's time for you to leave. Like, I don't think, it'll be, I don't think yeah. it's going to be cold like that, but I think we're going from 25, 29 down to 15, 16 by the time travel starts, which is literally two episodes. So, yeah, there yeah. you go. Because they only do three. Well, they only have three rose ceremonies in L.A., and we've already gone through well, one. I'm already. putting that on my list of content ideas for yeah. <laughs> the next two weeks. Thank um, you. Okay, so moving on, uh, I want to talk. This was interesting to me, and, you know, I didn't I – didn't, obviously the day they release the men – on the Facebook page, which is usually three to four days before filming starts. Mm-hmm. I, I'm able to scrounge up all the guys and I, you know, once I find out their last name, then I'm obviously able to find out usually their Instagram page, unless they have some weird, unless none, no part of their name is in their Instagram handle, then it's a little bit harder to find. But, yeah. um, so when you did your Instagram growth from episode one and a 24 hour update, when you had the the initial Instagram, what was that initial follower count taken from? Was that from day one of the Facebook reveal or day one of the ABC here are your guys for the season reveal? The Facebook reveal. Facebook reveal. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I just wanted to have that in mind, which is really weird to me because looking at your chart, there was one guy this season that had over 10,000 followers the day of the Facebook reveal. And that was Roby, who had 34,000, and the guy lasted literally, you know, he lasted one episode. Have we ever had a season where one person, that there was, I mean, where we never had more than one person with over five, you know, five digits, 10,000 people, 10,000 people following them? This seems really yeah, low. It, it is. It's decreasing, but it, I mean, it's decreasing with the, the general trend of it's just getting harder to grow on, on Instagram. If you look back, Hannah Brown's season is one of my favorites to compare back to mainly because it was the height of Instagram. Like there will not be anybody who goes on this reality TV show again that will ever reach that height. So I like, I like to compare it back often for that reason. Um, there were a number of people on her season who had a lot of followers. Um, and it wasn't the people that you would think it was. Um, on her season, she actually had a lot of people who stayed private for the premiere, but um Around the time of the announcement, I just pulled it up here, most people had at least a couple thousand followers. And by the time the show premiered, I mean, they all skyrocketed. But even looking at somebody like Luke Stone had 3,500 followers. Like, there there are not many people on this cast who had over a 1,000 followers. Yeah, I was, I'm looking at it right now, and let me go to the end here. Jason is, you know, sitting at less than 100, and we know that, well, he goes far. Let's put it that way. Um, And he's sitting at less than 100, but he's he's the only guy who hasn't gone private. Yeah, and I don't, you know, who knows why, the reasoning for why this guy, maybe he just doesn't care about social media, which would be great in this day and age when it comes to this show, because what's people's biggest complaint about this show? Oh, all these people care about is, um, you know, follower count and doing that. Well, here you got a guy that hasn't even turned on his Instagram, to public yet it seems like there's an outrage that he hasn't it's just like well what do you want you can't have both <laughs> you know um well tyler tyler cameron didn't go public on his his page until the wednesday after the premiere and he went from forty 
400 to 20,000. And then the next day went up to 40,000, um, which is wild. Like we're never going to see that type of Instagram growth ever again. Yeah. And I, I, it's disappointing. I mean, that, that kind of stuff. I know everybody's like, Oh, they're not here for the right reasons. I see it as these people have an opportunity thrown at them. So I don't think anybody, anybody would turn down tens of thousands of dollars to post a few stories on Instagram. So it's, I don't know, for me, it's exciting. So it, for me, it's like, okay, well, they're doing great. And, you know, their, their time on the show getting dumped and some of them becoming villains, like they actually get something out of it. You know, just looking at this Bachelorette Instagram growth from episode one of the 24 hour update, I was looking over at the comments and I just saw this for the first time. Jacob, our shirtless Jacob who rode in on the horse. <laughs> puts in the comments section tag me and you're like i ran out of tags instagram only allows 20 tags per post so this guy's like literally thirsty for you to tag him and (laughs) he gets kind of it sounds like he's a little i don't know i don't know maybe he didn't really care and it was kind of a joke he did put a little emoji after it but he's yeah just the fact that he was a little bummed that you didn't tag him and you're like i can't i'm only allowed 20 (laughs) per post it's just kind of funny uh i just saw that um but yeah i'm just looking at this god like 2000, 2100, 2200, 1900, 1900, 1700. This is all back in when were these guys announced? Uh March. Yeah, it was like Yeah. Yeah, it was the right the week of Clayton's finale. Fair, yeah. I feel like the people who go on this show, they just don't don't have much common sense about how to run a social media page. I mean, so many of them I I've seen in the past like I watched them on their premiere nights and all they do is like they share 40 stories of people tagging their TVs watching them. And it's like, that's not how you generate an audience. Like nobody wants to see that. Yeah. That's been, that's like my biggest pet peeve. Like I said, I have no problem with these people, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity that it's given and increasing their brand because I know everybody goes on this show for it. But when all you do is retweet people complimenting you and or watching you on TV, I, that's just, it's, it's so not interesting. It doesn't tell me anything about you other than I'm it seems like you're, you're getting your ego stroked. That seems to be what it is. Yeah. It's like an ego stroke. I mean, I'm honestly surprised that the franchise doesn't coach them a little bit more on social media. I mean, I, I know that the franchise for a while back, back in the old days, they, they would force the contestants to stand private on Twitter before Instagram was a thing um, because of like spoilers and stuff like that. But if they can coach the contestants to be better on social media, that's free advertising for them. <laughs> I know. And I, and the funny thing is my guess is they'll never do it. It just, just like yeah. they, they, they don't seem to seem to, they don't seem to care about any contestant. The second the show ends, we've kind of seen that recently with the treatment of certain leads on this show. Yeah. So I want to, it's interesting. Like I, I, I just, one more point on that. I have yeah. heard of other networks that have reality TV shows, not necessarily within the dating space, coaching, their people on how to be on social media. So I, I definitely think if anybody from ABC is listening, consider how you guys are leveraging social media beyond your, your um, podcast host pages. <laughs> so here's something you wrote about that. I want to, I want a bit, a little more um, clarity from you. Cause I'm, I was curious when you wrote this, uh, you did a thing about relationship success and you mentioned that in one of your posts, I've been ghosted by countless journalists who reached out for my data on success rates, but it turns out never aligned with their goal of writing about how the franchise is doomed to fail. So can you elaborate more on that? What happened? Yeah. So I get, I get so many media requests in my inbox of people wanting to write about the show and have some data to back it up, which is awesome. 
um, it's cool to be a source of that and, you know, be able to share, share my data with them so that they can have, you know, some evidence to back their claims. But typically it happens two times of the year is typically around premieres and around the times of breakups that I get those media requests of like, Hey, do you have the success rates for this franchise? And it's like, yes. And then here's the success rates for other reality dating shows. Um, and here's some context to think about it. You know, if we're talking about success rates as people who are still together, that's one success rate. That's one measure. Um, we can talk about people who've gotten married. That's one measure. Personally, I would argue any relationship that's at least two to three years is successful. Um, I look back on some of my, you know, longer term relationships and they were, they were great relationships and they were, you know, lasted two to three years. And then we had, you know, differences and we went our own ways. Um, so I send that all to them and either they end up posting this like doomsday article about how the bachelor has failed to succeed because only so many people are together and the 20 something years that the show has been on and, or the other thing that they do is they'll pull out like certain percentages that I gave them and write an article that is totally different than the context that I gave them of, Hey, you can think about it in all these different ways. And then you can also step away from the context of just this one reality TV show and look at other dating t TV shows and see how it's successful compared to them. And generally what you're going to see is it's pretty high. I mean, people are like, oh, so many people have broken up from the show. Well, I mean, if you can, if you consider Ashley Hebert and JP, who just got a divorce after eight years together and two children, I would consider that a successful relationship from the franchise. For sure. It's a 24% success rate between The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And if anybody's listening has ever spent longer than a month or two trying to date on dating apps, I would have loved a 24% success rate of just like, maybe four or five dates considered success on dating apps. I would have loved that. But I mean, a 24% success rate in dating in the real world is amazing. Um, so I, I think it, it's frustrating because, you know, ethical journalism and whatnot, and, and then being sourced in articles that they picked my data out of what I was actually trying to say and spun it totally differently. Um, it's, it's frustrating. I didn't, I, I never shared those articles whenever they dropped because I was pretty frustrated, but, um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the reality of trying to share my data with journalists. Well, yeah, it just kind of goes back to something I've been harping on for the last three, four years is that we've just come to a point in society and coverage of, of things. Um, not necessarily, doesn't even have to be articles and stuff like that. It just could be people's own beliefs that it just facts don't matter to people anymore. It's about what they believe to be true. And that's all that matters. And it's their narrative. So if nothing fits that narrative, then it doesn't matter to them. Even if facts are presented like, Hey, no, this is the way it is. And here's the statistical data to prove it. They already have it in their head that this is what I believe. So, and most people for the most part can't admit they're wrong or can't change their opinion or feel like they're weak somehow if they change their opinion after being given information and we've dealt with this politically for the last three or four years. And, and it's the same thing that you just dealt with what you're talking about. These people had an agenda of, I want to write this story. Oh crap. Susanna's data kind of doesn't make my story make any sense. All right. I'm, you know, I'll use it a different way. And that's what I mean. This is clearly 
Yeah. Facts don't matter to people anymore. It really doesn't. Well, and I think too, there's, there's another piece to it is, and this is something that I have definitely learned now. I mean, I'm, I'm now a full-time content creator working on this and another startup that I have. And I've seen this myself and I've seen it in studies countless times is that negative headlines generate more clicks, more shares, more engagement. If you post anything with a negative headline, you will get way more comments. People are going to share your content, which is going to help you grow as a platform. Or if you're some type of media company, be it CNN or Fox News, it's going to keep you on the website where you're going to be able to have more ads per page. Um, or if you're watching TV, if they give you more doomsday headlines, you're going to stay tuned in more because it's it's almost addicting to see what's going to happen next or the fear that they can then sell, you know, higher advertisements for the time blocks on TV. So it's something to keep in mind is, you know, look at you know, your source that you're going to and, um, you know, see, are they, you know, cause every, there is bias in everything. And one of the biggest things with data and storytelling is never starting with your story, but starting with the data to see what story it takes you to. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is, is just, you know, this, this is what they're teaching in tech literacy going K through 12, which is amazing is, you know, look at your news media, or the article that you're reading and consider the bias and consider what they're leaving out. Are they interviewing perspectives from both sides? Are they, you know, it, it doesn't matter. Like CNN, Fox news, it doesn't matter which side you're on. Like they're all, they're all just trying to make money to keep their company afloat. Um, and that, so it, it's and that's just been a matter the, of, well, that's been kind of the yeah, downfall of journalism. That's the problem is that they aren't, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people and a lot of people when they do read an article, just take it at face value. They don't do the introspection that you just said of, wait, who's writing this? Who was quoted in this? Where were the quotes coming from? Were they coming from both sides? And it's well, just and people can share content without looking stuff up. I remember um, like, you know, last month was Pride Month. And Jillian Harris, she shared this lovely story on social media. It was this post that she reshared to her stories about how um, Apple, the company, uh, designed their logo after um, Turing, who was LGBT or was LGBT. He was gay. He, you know, his his backstory. Anyways, it was alluding to um, they did it in honor of him. And just one Google search will, will show that that's not true. And Steve Jobs said, that's a great story. And I wish I had, I had created the logo for that reason, but that we just created the Apple for another reason. Um, you know, it's just the perpetuation of misinformation just because, you know, like people don't do their research, but that's, that's a vent for another day. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it certainly is. And trust me, when, when, when issues come up um, in society, political issues, you know, the Roe v. Wade stuff and, and, you know, that kind of stuff. And people look to Bachelor Nation for their information, be like, oh, this person posted this. And then it's like, well, do they know what they were posting and stuff like that? I mean, it's it's a whole other thing. That That is something that I asked you kind of off air. You haven't done a post about it, but I was kind of curious when the Roe v. Wade was overturned um, that were you seeing any drops in some of the popular contestants who were speaking out against the overturn of Roe v. Wade? Were you seeing any drops in their followers? And from what you told me, it was very 
there were days of in a row, but if you look at the the amount of people that stopped following them, their loss of followers versus their total follower amount, it was less than one percent. It was wasn't even really a blip. Yeah, it it definitely um, it wasn't as bad as when people spoke out about the capital attacks. I think people lost way more followers compared to their overall percentage then. Um, I do think there was a spectrum of speaking out that certain people did. Um, there were the more religious speaking out posts, and then there were the more um, action-oriented speaking out, like, hey, write to your senators, hey, like, you know, the rather than just sharing, like, a thoughts and prayers kind of post, it kind of yeah. posts. Um, you know, I think, but you also have to look at the influencer, right? I mean, Ashley Spivey, I mean, her followers aren't going to have any problems with her posting about that because she already posts a lot of things that are generally on that topic and she posts about them frequently. Um, but even the bigger influencers with over a million followers, like it, it, I was expecting way more of a drop for them. I was, I was expecting a bigger drop for myself. Um, that's why a big thing that I did on that day on my account, if, if you're listening and you didn't, and you don't follow me, what I did was I spoke about how big of a deal it is whenever contestants speak out about this. Um, any contestant that had is generating money from their platform, um, speaking out on these topics is very risky for your business. And I know that that's like, if you're not in this world, that's silly to think of. It's like, oh, but I mean, like, it's just social media posts. Like, they can just go back to their day jobs. And it's, I can tell you myself, as somebody who quit my day job, I don't want to go back to a day job. <laughs> it is lovely being self-employed and not having a boss um, and choosing my schedule. But it's the best. beyond that, they have certain partnerships with companies that they've developed and certain companies, if that doesn't align with them speaking out, well, they're going to lose future partnerships, which to us doesn't sound like a big a deal. But when it's for them, tens of tens of thousands of dollars, like it's pretty risky. So what I did on my page, I, I just was posting, you know, who's saying stuff and like, just go to their page, send them a DM and be like, Hey, I appreciate you posting about this. Go like their contents, go, go leave kind comments on their content because that day posting that Instagram's going to see this person's losing followers. So it's going to impact the algorithm to not prioritize that content because in general, any social media app, the way it's designed, it is designed to keep you on the app, be it TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. It doesn't matter. This isn't a malicious thing. The goal is to keep you on the app. Um, there are some malicious things that end up happening because of that. That's bad for mental health. But um, my goal was just, you know, go interact with these people to help them with the algorithm and also help them see that there are people who support this because people will DM you negative stuff 10, 10 times more. That's not an actual stat. This is just my feeling. <laughs> Um, they'll DM you negative stuff more than they will reach out to you. Be like, Hey, I really like your content. Thanks for posting this. Oh, I really liked that post. Like most people don't go out of their way to say a nice thing, Oh yeah, but they will go out of their way to say a negative thing. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's what I deal with. It's my business. And it's like most of these people, I, you know, and I'm not sitting here now telling everybody, please compliment me on my podcast and stuff like that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that the response that I get in DMs, in Twitter DMs, in Twitter mentions, emails, is more of the negative variety. Most people just don't take the time to tell somebody they're doing a good job. It's just it's just the way it is. It's kind of yeah. kind of the way it is. There's really no other I explanation. I saw that too. 
saw that too in my previous job when I worked in IT support. So if anybody's listening, say thank you to your IT people because they never get thank yous. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I can't imagine that either. Uh, just people complain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People just complaining about IT. Uh, moving on to first impression road stuff. This has always been one of my favorites because there's a very distinct <laughs> difference between Bachelorette <laughs> first impression rows and Bachelor first impression rows. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not even looking at your post right now, but hasn't it, it, it was sometime in the recent seasons that we had our first female, uh, first woman who received a um, first impression rose ended up winning. Wasn't that within the last two or three seasons, or am I totally blanking? For Bachelor? Bachelor, yeah. Oh, shoot. Let me pull up Bachelor. I think that that's right. So, I, I, so Clayton, right Clayton didn't pick Clayton's first impression role wasn't Susie, was it? No, uh, no, it wasn't. No, because we know we'll get to the female side in a second, and the woman's side, the bachelorette. I keep saying female, I don't know why, but yeah, the bachelorette side in a second. We know the success rate of that. Here it is. But for the longest time, the woman who received the first impression rose on the Bachelor never won, and didn't it change recently? Um, or am I, or is, or is the, oh, or are they still over? Are they still over? God, I, geez, I don't remember. Was it Susie? No. Oh, it was Teddy. Oh, that's right. It was Teddy. That's right. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, and she got cut before hometowns. Yeah, yeah. I haven't updated that graphic yet, which is why I didn't know it off the <laughs> top of my head. But first impression rose, the only person who got it who won was Peter. So was Hannah. Yeah. Okay. Peter so within the last three Hannah seasons. Ann, yeah. But there's the debate of who actually won Peter's season, which for me, with the first impression rose and who quote unquote wins, I consider it who gets the final rose exactly. in the last episode. It's not what happens as soon as they leave, it's who got that final rose. Who got the final rose. Um, and Hannah Ann was the first woman to receive the first impression rose and get the final rose at the end in the history of The Bachelor. And it was <laughs> it was just this curse that was like, well, if she got it, she's not going to win until Hannah well, Ann. Well, and most of them didn't even make it to final four. Yeah. Like, Going back to Jason Mesnick, his went home week four. Um, that was Nikki, right? Jake Pav- Jake Pavelka Tenley went to the final, but um, yeah, it was Nikki. Brad Womack, it was Ashley Spivey. She got eliminated week five. Um, ben Flagnick, his made it far, but then after that, it was a serious curse um, from season sixteen until season twenty, or sorry, seventeen through twenty. They all went home before hometowns. Um, Nick Vial. Uh, Rachel Lindsay went home just before the finale. Ari Leindyke, his went home week six. Like, it was just not good odds. Yeah, but the biggest thing was that the first impression Rose winner on The Bachelor never won. You know, it was just a thing where they never won. And now we have one. They're, they're one for 26. It's almost as good as their success rate for um, it literally, engagements. It literally became a storyline. Yeah, <laughs> It became a storyline on Matt James's season yeah. where Abigail was just like, but I got the first impression rose and I'm not going on dates. I'm not seeing him. Like what's going on? Yeah. The uh, same thing happened to Olivia Caridi on Ben Higgins season. She got it yep. and never got a one-on-one. So the woman and the bachelorette is now different because I know we had four seasons in a row where the guy who received the first impression rose ended up winning, getting the, the last rose. Then Hannah Brown, I believe was the one that broke the streak because she gave hers to Luke uh, P, right? She had two first impression roses. So she had Cam that 
I'm t- the yeah, night that yeah. she was announced the Bachelorette. Yeah. And she got to meet a few guys before filming, and then Luke P got it night one. Yeah, and that was the that broke the streak of four years in a row, four seasons in a row, where the guy who received it the first night ended up being the final rose recipient. And then Claire got it back on track when she gave her first impression rose to uh, Dale. Dale. Then Tasha derailed it with Spencer, who, by the way, Spencer <laughs> might be the most unassuming first impression rose recipient ever. I mean, talk about somebody who literally got never got a date. I think he was gone the next episode, if I'm not mistaken. If if it wasn't the next episode, it was two episodes later. Like he was just. At yeah, le- her episodes were a little weird. They had to yeah. merge so many weeks to make it a full season. Um, he technically went home her week four, but they merged so many weeks that that was that season was a pain in the butt to analyze. Yeah. And then after Tasha. Uh, Katie's season, she didn't give her first impression rose to Blake, but technically Blake wasn't there on the first night, so she couldn't yes. have given her. So I don't even know if we want it to count Katie. It went to Katie. Greg, which to Greg. was arguably one of her front runners. Yeah. Had Blake not arrived. And then Michelle got everything back on track to Nate. with Nate. So yep. that's that's six of the last nine seasons, the, the, the guy who got the first impression rose ended up winning. Now, with these two, I don't have the spoilers for the end of the season. I don't know who wins. I don't know who Rachel's with. I don't know who Gabby's with. So I don't know about Tino and, well, I think I can pretty much tell you Mario doesn't win. I can pretty much tell you Mario doesn't win. Yeah, he ain't winning. Um, yeah. Tino obviously gets far, and there's a chance that he can continue that streak. But Gabby's is definitely not. So we're going to have, at best, we're going one for two uh, this season. I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast and I want to talk about the Instagram versus TikTok because for the longest time, Instagram was the thing on this show. I mean, what did we hear fans talk about? Oh, these people just want to be influencers. That's all they go on for is followers and stuff like that. But you did a post. I don't remember when it was. You could probably remember how many months ago it was in regards to how much Instagram has fallen off the map in terms of popularity and TikTok is the new thing on social media that people basically need to get on. Yeah. When was that? How long ago was it? Six months? Yeah. So the the data comes from 2020 versus 2021. Um, So there's this website called Cloudflare that can analyze like domain hits. So they look at apps, they look at websites, they look at it all. And basically in the fourth quarter of the year, um, in 2020, they took the count of what were the 10 most popular domains worldwide, like in the entire world in the fourth quarter. And at the time, the number one most visited website was Google, followed by Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Netflix, Amazon. Um, TikTok was seventh already at that point. Um, YouTube was next and then Instagram. What's absolutely wild is that by the fourth quarter of 2021, so one year later, after the pandemic, like had settled and everything, TikTok became the number one most visited domain ahead of Google, Facebook, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Netflix, YouTube, Twitter, WhatsApp, and Instagram didn't even make the top 10 list. Hmm. I mean, that's so it's a big deal when it comes to this show. It is. And I mean, it's a big deal if you work in any type of business that requires customers, right? And some type of relationship with your customers, um, whether or not you like it or not, that's 
that's where you would need to be right now. And TikTok's even changing their own algorithms now so that they can continue to stay on top. Um, and they're prioritizing more. Because at the beginning, TikTok was lots of like dancing with text and, you know, that type of stuff. And now it's prioritizing more, um, you know, original audio. So you creating content to keep people on the app rather than just dancing. Yeah. Um, so it's it's changing and like, the show, I think the show has had a wake up that they need to start really putting their time and efforts into TikTok and generating an audience there. And I will say, as far as these contestants, the most number of contestants that I've seen on a show on the Bachelor franchise that have had a TikTok going into the show. And there are guys being very strategic. I mean, there's guys that their bios already say, like, go to this link to book a one on one coaching with me. Um, yeah, there's they're they're being much savvier about it. Well, do you think there's going to be a time where, and you've, and you, where you just get rid of Instagram in terms of tracking that stuff and you're just going to focus on the TikTok accounts of these people? Because for the longest time you were just doing Instagram. Now you've had to include the guys' TikToks and Instagrams. Are you, you think you'll get to a point where it's just like, I don't even want to keep track of the Instagram anymore. It's irrelevant. No, I think it's still, there's always going to be a market there, just like Facebook isn't dead. I mean, there's a market there. I would argue it's generally trending a little bit older. Um, but there's always going to be a place for Instagram, and Instagram isn't dead. I mean, there's, I mean, I quit my job thanks to Instagram, and I started using Instagram in the fourth quarter of 2020. So yeah. um, it's not just people who were lucky enough to get big on Instagram before TikTok blew up. Um, I think there's definitely still a market there. And even though, you know, I get excited whenever I see like Gabby just passed 500,000 followers, which is amazing. Um, Rachel's going to hit 400,000 soon, um, which I would love to talk in a minute about that. But I mean, Hannah Brown, before her season started, she already had almost a million followers. That being said, it's still 500,000 people, you know, yeah, <laughs> like that's a lot of people. So I think you can still analyze it just with the lens of, you know, let's compare within the season and not compare, you know, Gabby's men to Hannah Brown's men. Well, I totally agree with that. And I think that this is, you know, people talk about all the time, why aren't leads making, making, you know, having more followers. And like I said, like you said, it's just something that's kind of trending down. But when you talk about Gabby having 500 and Rachel almost at 400 now, what exactly does that tell you, if anything? Yeah, so I think I think it's inevitable. You know, people are going to have their favorites. I will say personally, I typically don't give out my personal takes on what I think on contestants. I've personally enjoyed, up until this season started, I've enjoyed Gabby's social media presence so much. She's hilarious. Like, I think she's probably one of the funniest leads that we've ever had on this show. And her comedic relief, especially in interviews on her press tour, amazing. Um, I was really worried going into the show, and I will say, myself I was like before I sat down to start analyzing screen time data I was like all right I need to review my rubric of when we give people screen time like we have I have myself and I'm doing it all this season but I also had somebody um, helping me in the past we had a very strict rubric on when do you consider something to focus because you know focus can be biased on who you're paying attention to on the screen especially when you have two leads um and I went into it like I need to make sure I'm not um, giving Gabby too much time. And I was shocked. Like Rachel 
clearly there were moments where she was getting way more screen time. And I would argue personally, this is not from a data perspective, after watching the premiere, I'm really like liking Rachel. Like I I feel like she's doing I, I don't know, if if I'm par, if not I'm liking her more than Gabby, but I like them both. Like I I'm actually really enjoying it. So So are you saying I coming out of be, are you saying coming out of Clayton season you just had a stronger feel and a a more stronger sense of who Gabby was versus who Rachel was, but after the first episode you're like, wow. Rachel is more than I thought that she was based on what the show presented to us. Yeah. And I think Gabby's story was told way better on Clayton season. I mean, that hometown was amazing. Her, her grandpa, like her banter, like it was a great hometown episode because of Gabby, in my opinion. Um, But I think they, her love story was just so much easier to tell because of her personality. But I mean, personally, I think they did a great job at balancing them. It was between their screen time. It was only a minute and a half difference that Rachel had more screen time, um, which is honestly really impressive. As somebody who has to edit videos now, the fact that they were able to get it that close was great. Um, but I think it's going to be interesting to see, you know, who takes the lead more in breakups. If Like we saw a group breakup and it looks like Rachel was really doing a great breakup more than Gabby. Um I mean, it's going to be inevitable. Everybody's going to be talking about who's doing what more, who's getting the better love story, whose heart is being broken more, who's going to be turned down more. I mean, it's it's inevitable, right? We have two leads. People are going to want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think they're doing, personally, from the data perspective, I think they're doing a good job at showing them equitably. Yeah, it seems like it. Like you said, after the first episode, we're only a minute and a half difference between Rachel and Gabby, I wouldn't have known that. I like, you know, because I'm not breaking down video, I'm just looking at a TV for two hours and nothing stuck out to me of favoritism towards one or the other. It just seemed like, okay, this is, they did good for a first episode of, of two women and two leads. First time we've ever had that. And look, I, and, I, and I know that's not sitting well with some people who are like, what about Caitlin and Britt? I'm just, when I say first time ever two leads, I, I don't want to have to keep saying every single time when I say that, that lasted through the whole season. Like, that's the whole point I'm yeah. trying to make. Like, yes, we understand it, yeah, that cast, there was a... But Caitlin and Britt was a yeah, completely different Caitlyn idea. Caitlin and Britt to, to pit them against each other for yeah. you guys to choose the first night. It was ridiculous. This is very different. Yeah. No, it, it definitely is. And And when I say first time ever two leads, just know that I'm talking about two leads that last throughout the whole season. And, you know, the curious thing is, is are they ever going to do this with The Bachelor now? Like, they had the two Bachelor leads way back in the past with uh, Byron and Jay. And, again, it was same thing as Caitlin and Britt. The women chose who they wanted to be their Bachelor. And Jay went home yep. the first night and Byron was their Bachelor. If there's any success that they deem out of this season with Rachel and Gabby, do they ever do a two-Bachelor season? I don't know. I guess time will tell. We don't have a, they haven't given a definitive answer of yes or no, but I mean, I don't know. I guess we'll just see going forward. I don't, my I guess would it, be no. I, yeah. I think it'd have to be such a successful season with the ratings and the streaming because ABC to clarify on the streaming's topic, ABC and the bachelor franchise, they can see streaming data, but it's just not public to everybody else. Yeah. I would say if it knocks out the park with a number of people who are tuning in to watch, I think it would sway them but from everything that we're hearing from behind the scenes it was a nightmare for filming and editing 
um, just to like get it all in. Yeah, I think because on a yeah, normal they, season of a bachelorette, when there's one lead, what do uh, you know? So many people complain about the fact that we never see a love story. You focus too much on the drama. Well, now you got two. So, and this was our questions yeah. going in before filming even started when we knew nothing about how this was going to work. I was like, are they each going to have a hometown date? And yeah, that ended up, that, that does end up happening. It's not like they. Met... I'm so curious. How, how are we going to see eight hometown dates in one episode? That's the thing. One maybe, episode. maybe they do it over two. I, we just, we just don't know at this point, but if they do do eight all in one episode, that just means that we're going to get less time on each one. It, it, there's really no other yeah. way to around it. Um, so unless they do two episodes for the hometown dates, yeah, we're going to get less time with each one because on a normal episode where there was only four hometown dates, basically each hometown date got about 20 to 25 minutes of screen time. And then the last part was the rose ceremony. So that covered the two hours. Now, does that mean that we're only getting 10 minutes of each date? I, I don't know. I, well, I guess we'll have to see when the hometown date episode comes up. Um, before we wrap up here, I, th- I, I should know well, this. this. Wait, I don't think it's 25 minutes per hometown. I have about 15 to 20 minutes, depending on the hometown date. But wouldn't that only be wouldn't, with only four? That's only an hour. 15 times four is 60 minutes. Are we talking yeah, about are we taking commercials into consideration or no? When no, you... I don't take commercial okay, into consideration. So that's what I was talking. So was... that's what I'm super curious. If like Susie's hometown was 14 minutes on Clayton season. Are we going to have seven minute hometown dates? Like that's, that's wild. Yeah. That's, that's what we don't know. I, when I said 15 to 20 minutes, I was talking about looking at my clock, like, okay, first yeah. hometown date goes from seven o'clock till about seven twenty, and then seven twenty to seven forty, seven forty to eight twenty, eight twenty to eight forty, And then the last 15, 20 minutes are rose ceremony stuff. That's what I was. Okay. So, all right, six and one, half dozen in the other. Same thing. But, yeah, if they have it in all one episode, we're going to get seven to eight-minute hometown dates. Really. I mean, it's wild. Yeah. So um, I think I should know this, but I didn't do it before I had you on, and I don't feel like scrolling back right now while I'm on with you. So I'm going to ask you, I don't even remember. Do you do all this um, data entry with Paradise or no? Did you did you start last season or how many seasons have you done of Paradise with this information? Uh, this last season of Paradise was my first one. Okay, so um, it's it's one season. Okay, that's why I didn't. Yeah, remember because I started analyzing this show in for Clarentasia's season. So our first season of Paradise that I got to analyze was oh wait no I didn't do did I do twenty twenty one yeah I did. Paradise yeah, last summer. This year's 2022. Yeah. So this summer will be my second paradise that I'm going to do. Yeah. Cause there was no paradise in 2020, obviously with the pandemic. And then you didn't, yep. you didn't do it in 2019, which would have been season six. So you didn't do it then. Yeah. Significantly harder to analyze. Oh, I, I don't even know why. I mean, yeah, obviously I'm not going to tell you how to do your job. But I don't know why you would do it for paradise. There's way too many quick cuts of things and the dates aren't even dates really. And there's so much cut, TV cuts back and forth when they're on the when they're on the beach and everyone's mingling okay. and there's so many people in the shot like I mean do what you hand want cramps. <laughs> hand what, cramps like crazy I was gonna say like my gosh that's gotta be a bitch for you to do golly I just yeah. I would but uh, I will say that that season of paradise had my biggest growth day um going back to the negative headlines covering Brendan and Piper I I grew 14 
thousand followers in one day on Instagram. It was wild. I mean, I guess there's a reason for it. Do it the method of your madness because that's that's kind of worth it. I mean, to to see I mean, that type of growth. It was it was hilarious. My boyfriend went out. He's so supportive of the work that I do, even though he does not like watching the show. Um, and he actually went out. He he was like, "Oh, I need to go buy new cleats for for the sport that we do, ultimate frisbee." And I was like, "Okay." And he went out to go buy seventy five k balloons or. I, I thought maybe it was like 60k balloons or something he was gonna go buy balloons to surprise me and when he was in like in traffic to go get them i passed it <laughs> <laughs> the balloons were outdated by the time we got home but it was it was wild I, I think bachelor in paradise so many people tune in that don't watch bachelor and bachelorette because they like it so much more yeah i get that but i also get so many people saying I mean, I've heard it. I mean, I've been covering the show for as many years as I have, 17, 18 years now. And obviously Paradise has only been around. This is the eighth season. But it's always this thing where, you know, we're going to have the Bachelorette season rearing right now. We're going to have the Bachelor air in January of March of 2023. But this Bachelorette season is going to air. We had Clayton season January to March. And so it's going to be like, oh, towards the end of the season, it's going to be like, oh, I can't wait till Paradise starts. And then Paradise starts. And I, I don't know what to tell you people, but Paradise is nothing but drama. Like you complain all the time that this show doesn't focus on love stories and focuses too much on the drama. 80% of Paradise is nothing but drama and people shit talking and <laughs> private conversations and someone crying and leaving and self-eliminating. Like I, and then, it, and then it gets to Paradise and then Paradise comes and what, and, and what's the response that I get? Oh my God. It's just all this fighting and bickering and, and drama. And it's like, yeah, like that's what the show has always been <laughs> i know and people just don't for whatever reason they don't want to accept that like this show is not about love if you're if you're watching this show for love go change the channel and put in a dvd or go stream the notebook or something like this this show is not dedicated so it's you find Which some sort of love story the notebook has drama too <laughs> i you know i say notebook and i say that and that's ignorant of me because i've never watched it i've never seen the notebook <laughs> But I know it just to be this, you know, this this unbelievable love story and and rom com or whatever you want. Is it a rom com or no? It's not comedy. No, no, it's, it's, it's a not drama. Comedy. It's a drama. It's but, a Nicholas Sparks book. And he's known for all of his romance novels, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I always say that's always my go to for anything like you know <laughs> love story stuff. I just say go, you know, Notebook. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm gonna hear it. I know. I already know what I'm gonna hear come you know, October, November, when paradise is winding down, it's going to be like, Oh my God, there's so much drama. There's so many people. I can't keep track of who's who and who's dating who I already know it's coming. It's the same thing. Um, <laughs> last thing before we wrap up, I want you to, to plug your, uh, Excel course and tell everybody what they can do and how they can sign up and all that's good stuff. Yeah. So if you don't know my background, the reason why I started bachelor data was because I got a job that I lied on my resume and said I was proficient in Excel and realized very quickly when I started the job, I needed to actually be proficient in Excel. And I found all the YouTube videos on teaching Excel so boring. And I just started tracking data on Colton season at the time as a fun way to learn. So Last summer, July of 2021, I launched Bachelor Data Academy, which has now changed to the Data Academy so that it's easier to purchase for work. Um, that basically, it's a full-blown Excel course. It takes you all the way from the basics of, you know, here's a cell and here's why we call it B3, 
um, all the way up to really complex topics like pivot tables and B lookup, and also teach you data visualization and color theory along the way. The difference is, is that this Excel course teaches you using data on the bachelor. Um, so it's a really fun perspective and a really fun way to learn. Um, so if you're interested, you can just go to the link in any one of my social media bios, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and you'll see it there. Um, and we're running a promo right now. I actually have um, just about a hundred uh, codes right now. If you use code Premier for 50% off and we do do custom receipts for your company. So if you need to have any custom receipts, just let me know. Well, Susanna, it's great having you on. And I'm going to bring this up every single time I have you on because I don't want to say I discovered you, but I kind of did. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong. Sort of. So I actually, the first podcast I recorded was Game of Roses, but the first one that dropped was yours because we recorded the same week. Oh, really? Um, oh, okay. Gotcha. But yeah, it was around the same time because Game of Roses and I, we do a lot of similar stuff around data they do some they they make it way cooler with like um you know like a sports aspect i was gonna say football but it's more like a sports analysis of the show it's, it's pretty cool too yeah okay because i remember i was like i remember having you on that day and i remember texting with you once we posted about let's see how much your following goes up and i think when you went on with me you were at like God, I want to say 7,000 followers that day, maybe, or 7,500. And then by the end of the day, you were over 10,000 or something like that. And I mean, look at you now. Now you're Ironically, a... I, I do have the data on it. <laughs> of course you do. Why, why would I even doubt that for a second? What is it? <laughs> Let's see. Um, okay, so our podcast dropped and I had, let me see. You were in the 7,000s, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, shoot. On my first story, let me see. Oh, there it is. I put you in as RS, not reality, Steve. Okay, I gained like 1300 fall. I went from 9,000, I passed the 10,000 mark on Instagram. Okay, that's what it was. I remember, I remember it being you passing that mark. Yeah, and then Game of Roses, even though we had recorded before you, it was like the Welcome to the Pit episode, so it, it came out later that week because of their schedule. Gotcha. Okay. Um, well, I'll take full credit. But I will say, I do have to attribute your podcast to one specific thing to my journey, not to sound like Bachelor. Uh-oh. Um, Just good or bad? I started... <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Okay. Um, <laughs> So I started collecting uh, just before Colton season started in 2018. Earlier that year, you had a podcast episode that caught my eye because it was Mike Renner, who works over at Pro Football Focus, which if, yeah. if you don't know, if people don't know what Pro Football Focus is, it is a massive company that makes a stupid amount of money to analyze football plays. And I remember listening, like listening to that they have like entire groups of people who watch every play and they look at every single player. And oh, yeah. it was so fascinating. And then I started to learn about like NBA analytics and everything. And that's kind of what started to spark my interest in this whole world. Well, yeah, analytics are completely taking over sports now. I mean, we got general managers, owners that are analytic driven. And, and there are people that well, are sports fans that are complaining it's ruining the game because – Coaches aren't coaching based off of what they're seeing in their players on the court. They're coaching based off analytics. And there is a fine line. There is a fine line of feel and what you know as a coach and 
what you consider to be a good player versus, well, what are the analytics telling us behind the scenes that, oh, we think yeah. he's good at this, but really he hasn't been. And and they're like, well, he's going to get less playing time because of these analytics. And some some teams are embracing analytics way more than others. And it's 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 a very big topic in sports right now, for sure. It's huge now with uh, sports betting being legalized in more states. Uh, yes. That's where data analytics is really being used. That's... I think I, like a while ago, I was at the, back when I lived in Boston, they have Encore, which is like a big casino in downtown, like near downtown Boston. Yeah. And they literally built out a whole sports betting area. Like they, they got rid of the the buffet area just to build out sports and sports betting it's not even legalized in Massachusetts yet. And they literally built it out. Like it was fully functional. You go sit there. You just couldn't bet on sports yet, but it was designed like a sports betting area. Yeah. Well, within three to five years, pretty much every arena and every stadium is going to have its own built in sports book. They're just, they're losing too much money by not having that. Now, granted, you have to have a state that approves it, but you know, a few years ago, the only states where you could legally bet on sports were Nevada and I believe New Jersey. Now it's I think I think we're at 33 of the 50 states have now approved uh, gambling in their states, and it's just it's only going to get bigger. Um, there, I think I think the Arizona Cardinals this season uh, are opening up. They're going to be the first ones ready to go that in the 2022 season that they have a they have mm-hmm. a sports book in in their stadium. So um, it's it's inevitable. It's coming. And um, yeah, I mean, for me, who's gambled for a long time, I study these numbers all the time. I mean, that's what that's that's what I look at when I look at gambling numbers. Now, granted, there's there's trends, there's stats, there's trends. You know, you all it does is help you. It, there's no guarantee when it comes to gambling. People will sell you that that there is. There's no guarantees when it comes to gambling. You could have all the all the statistics pointing towards one team, all the trends pointing towards one team, but you know, got to take into account of the weather. What if there's turnovers? What if there's an injury? And you can't yeah. predict that. That's why gambling is so hard. Um, so yeah. Well, and I will say coming. one more thing too on analytics and just data analysis in general. You don't have to be somebody who's a data analyst necessarily, but data is involved in every job. Whether or not you realize that there are people on your team that are working with data. And especially, you know, with all these talks of recession, everything, I don't know if they've officially called it a recession yet and where we're going. Um, If you work with data, it is one of the most recession proof jobs. It's actually when the pandemic hit, um, companies like Boeing were hiring um, firms that had, you know, back end data engineers and data analysts and data visualization to come in to figure out, okay, how can we downsize our company strategically, like take our data, figure this out for us. Um, Becoming proficient with Excel is the first step to really making your job concrete during these times. So that's great. Just my little plug that data is important. Yeah. You're in a great position there. So again, Susanna, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. We'll be following you. I'll probably be linking to a lot of your stuff in my columns this season. So Thanks for all your hard work. Yeah, no, thanks for all your hard work because that is, you know, is it hard? Maybe it's not hard. It's just very obviously tedious. It's just, it takes, it's just a lot of time. It's time consuming, you know? So, um, I appreciate the, the work that you do. And like I said, I'll be linking to it a lot in my columns this season. So again, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You got it.
Thanks so much to Susanna for coming on. She is the work that she does. And if you look at that Instagram account, it's at bachelor data. It's unbelievable how the things that she breaks down and she thinks that she looks for on this show. I'm breaking down the hugs like, uh, you know, stuff like that. You wouldn't even think of, but it's interesting. And I'm a numbers guy. I've always been a numbers guy and it goes all the way back to my childhood where I would be reading the sports section every morning and looking at box scores and being in pools and, uh, you know, studying statistics my whole life when it came to sports, playing sports myself, being very interested in the statistics side of it. So, yeah, I get that maybe some people are intimidated by numbers and they don't care, but she's doing all the work for it. You don't have to do anything. But to look at a chart and look at breakdowns of numbers and percentages of things, I think it's so interesting. And she's she's done so well for herself because when I had her on, you just heard us talk about it. When I had her on, she had 9,000 followers the first time I put her on. And now she's over 110, I mean, in maybe a year maybe a little over a year she's built that and it's only going to get bigger for her. So um, all the kudos in the world, all the props in the world uh, to Susanna. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe and review an Apple podcast. Trust me. It does help. Even though maybe you don't think it does leave a comment, leave a rating, hopefully a good one. And uh, yeah, we're we're approaching 300 podcasts. I still don't know who's going to be number 300. It might not be anything special in terms of like, go out and get a big name for number 300 i have someone in mind but i don't even know if i can get them in the next four or five weeks so we'll see but thank you to Susanna. thank you all for listening i'm reality steve and we will talk to you next week see you